144, let's begin with the word of God today. Amen. Hallelujah. Psalm 144, <clears throat> and I'll read verse 11 through 15. Y'all have that? Okay, if you don't have it, we're in the New King James Version. If you don't have that, it's on the screen in front of you. So let's read all together. Ready, read. Rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speaks lying words and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. That our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may be as pillars sculptured in palace style, that our barns may be full, supplying all kinds of produce, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields, that our oxen may be well laden, that there be no breaking in or going out, that there be no outcry in our streets. Happy are the people who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Amen. Happy are the people who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Father, thank you today for the word we're about to receive. I pray, Father, that you anoint me to speak your word and anoint your people to receive your word. Thank you for hearing ears, seeing eyes, and receiving hearts. Let your word today move swiftly and be glorified among your people. And I pray, Father, that there'll be no hindrance or distraction to the word of God going forth, that every one of us will know, Father, that we've received a word from you, Lord, to help us live this life in the way that pleases you. We pray in Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Thank you, Lord. Happy are the people who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Today I want to talk on the subject, the hapless pursuit of happiness. The hapless pursuit of happiness. Hallelujah. Happiness. Everybody say happiness. happiness. Now we just celebrated this past Wednesday, uh, Independence Day, right? And the Independence Day was marked by, uh, in 1776, uh, on July 4th, uh, the Declaration of Independence, all right? And there's a preamble to that Declaration of Independence. There's an introduction and there's a preamble. And the preamble to the Declaration of Independence starts this way. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these, or among these rights, are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This was what our, the 56 uh, signers of the Declaration of Independence declared, uh, what belongs to every American that we have the right, certain unalienable rights, which means these rights are natural rights. They belong to every human being. It's interesting that although they declared that, every one of them were slave owners. And uh, it wasn't for a long time, and some uh, 30, 40, 50 years later, that many of them began to release their slaves because they were, they were indicted by this, own, this, this, this statement. They realized that every person deserves to have these unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, it's interesting that, that they said we have these rights, but they could not guarantee that a person would have life, or that a person would have liberty, or that a person would even have happiness. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, talks about how he came and he guaranteed by his own blood that you and I could have life, 
come on, liberty and happiness. And he gave equal access to everybody. I want you to see that here in Romans chapter 5. Romans 5, because he gave equal access to everybody. No matter your color, no matter your gender, no matter your age, even no matter what country you were originally from. He gave everyone this right. In Romans 5.18, the Bible says, Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in what? Justification, Justification of life. In fact, I, give, give me the Amplified Bible on this verse, please. Amplified on Romans 5.18, it says here, well then, as one man's trespass, one man's false step, this one man is Adam, we know that, right? It says, and falling away led to condemnation for all men. So what Adam did brought condemnation upon, or judgment upon all men. Doesn't matter your color, doesn't matter your, your, your background. He says, so one man's act of righteousness, that's Jesus, leads to acquittal and right standing with God and life for all men. So this unalienable right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, Jesus Christ already guaranteed free access to everybody to have life. I'm going to show you that here. John 10. Y'all stick with me here. All right, John 10 and verse 10. We know this scripture, don't we? Jesus says, the thief comes not except to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that they may have life and that they may have it how? Amplify says, I have come that they may have and enjoy life. Glory to God. So Jesus wants us not only to have life, but to enjoy life and to have it to the full until it overflows. John 10, 10 Amplify. To the full until it overflows. So you and I don't just have um, this access to life, but he wants us to have life itself. Oh, y'all hear me now? Now, I want, I want you to see this here because stay in the book of John, please. Go to John chapter 1 because I, I'm preaching to the, to, to the church today because I got to deal with this issue of unhappiness, if I can say that, in the church. See, because I'm the pastor and so I come in on Sunday or Wednesday and I look, look at your faces. See, y'all don't see your faces. So I stand up here and I look at your faces and, and it, sometimes it just bothers me how uh, unhappy. Y'all, you've, you've seen that too, haven't you? You've looked around. How unhappy so many Christians look when we are supposed to be the happiest ones on this planet. He said, I came in John 10, 10, that you may have and enjoy life and have it to the full to overflows. Well, Pastor, how you know I'm happy? You don't know if I'm happy or not. I can tell if a dog is happy. Come on now. If, if God gave me a way to tell if my dog is happy, then surely there will be some sign on us that we're happy. We don't have tags to uh, wax, uh, tails to wag. I'm trying to say tags to well. We don't have uh, tails to wag, but we do have grins and smiles and t 
teeth to show and we can shake our heads and we can cut a little step. You know, y'all you, you, you remember, some, some of y'all probably remember this when you were little kids and you'd be sitting at the table and you eating your food and the food is real good. Mm, mm, mm. Your feet all start, you're patting the floor and mm, 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 you're humming a song and praise the Lord. I can tell when you're happy about this food. Glory to God. So we aren't supposed to be sitting around looking like grumpy old men or bitter women. We're supposed to be sitting around here looking like the happiest people on the planet. Jesus Christ has already come to make sure we are happy. Everybody say happy. And I'm talking about, I'm talking about happy. Because see, in the church, in, in, when we get, you know, deep, deep spiritual people, we want to talk about joy all the time. Because we're so deep spiritually. Oh no, I just, as long as I have joy. Well, even joy will show on your face. Don't tell me you have joy. Well, I still have my joy, but you can't smile, you can't laugh, you can't dance. We got to make you praise the Lord. You can't tell me you have joy when you, have, when you don't have any kind of sign. So yes, God wants us to have joy. In fact, joy, according to Galatians 5.22, is a fruit of the Spirit. Hallelujah. The Bible says that we, we, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So sure, we have joy, but I just read a scripture over there in Psalm 144 that said, happy are the people who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. So obviously, God wants us happy. Tell your neighbor, God wants you happy. Tell somebody else who looks real sad. Tell them God wants you happy. You ain't got to look for it. They're sitting right around you. They're sitting right around you. They haven't smiled yet. God wants you happy. God wants you happy. He wants you bright and shining. He wants you to be able to shine, to, 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 to flash every tooth you have left. Just shine every. Ha! Glory to God. Grinning from ear to ear. Amen? He wants you happy. Tell your neighbor again, he wants you happy. Now, here's what the problem is, is that many times Christians... We, we come to Jesus Christ, we get saved, but then if we get saved, we feel like we have to go and now find life. And we have not understood that, that life is in Jesus. I'll show you this here in John chapter 1. In John chapter 1 and verse 1. Can you go there with me, please? It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, this, the Word, was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. Now look at verse 4. In him was life. In him, in the word, in Jesus was, and we know if it was, and it is. And so in Jesus is life. So I don't have to come to Jesus Christ, and then all he did was just took care of my salvation, but then didn't take care of my life. In him... I mean, everybody wants to have a good life. Everybody wants to have a wonderful life. Everybody wants to have an enjoyable life. Well, you don't have to get saved and go in the world to find that wonderful life. No, the moment you got saved, you just got free access to a wonderful, enjoyable, happy life. Because life in him was life. In him is life. Now go to 1 John. You're in John, the Gospel of John here. Go to 1 John near the back of your Bible. 
First John, if you don't have a Bible, it'll be on your screen. First John chapter one, or chapter five rather. First John five, glory to God. I want you to see this this morning. Because pastor's tired and dealing with, looking at, faces look like you've been sucking lemons on your way to church. Praise the Lord. Faces look like you need some prune juice, boy. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. I remember, boy, when I was a kid, my parents used to give us that prune juice. Like, why do y'all do that? <laughs> well, it, it, I'll tell you what, the prune juice was better than the other options they used to try. Because as a kid, we had some other options for, you know, dealing with that. 1 John 5, verse 11, are you there? It says, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. That word life isn't just natural living, it's the Greek word zoe, which means the very life, the essence of God kind of life. So he's given us life and watch this, this life is in his son. Are you seeing that? Now watch verse 12. How many of y'all are here in Christians? You're born again already. All right, now watch this. I, got, I have some good news for you, verse 12. He who has the son has life. You ever heard anybody, anybody tell you, man, go, go get a life? The moment you got saved, you got a life. In other words, if they're not saved, they don't have a life. And it's interesting that they want to make it out there. When I say they, you understand, I mean they in the world, the, the devils behind that. They want to make it appear like they're living the life. But in reality, the Bible says, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. So they're walking around dead men, having a good time on the way to hell. We're walking around as living men, having a great time on the way to heaven. Oh, y'all, I see y'all struggling with this, man. We're having a great time on the way to heaven. I love my life. I enjoy my life. How can you say you enjoy your life? Because he came that I might have and enjoy life. So what I do is I yield to him. I don't buck him. I don't go against him. I do what he says for me to do. I go where he says for me to go. Whatever he says, I do it. So I enjoy this life that comes in his son. Verse 13. Verse 13. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So in other words, if you continue in, to believe in the name, you'll continue to have this life. Right. Glory to God. Everybody say, life is in the Son. Say, life is in Jesus Christ. Say, I have Jesus, so I have life. Say, I have Jesus, so I have eternal life. Say, I have Jesus, so I have abundant life. Say, I have Jesus, so I have the best life. Glory to God. Glory to God. You need to know that. Oh my God. You got to know that because see, th th these things, he's, gotta, he's written to you to make sure you know this because, because the devil tries to entice us to make us believe, man, they're really living it up out there. That's why our children, he comes to try to suck them out. To make them think, oh, this life is so boring. It's only boring because you're not following faith. 
if you follow the word of God and do what God says, you'll find out you have the best life because the reality of it is what they're showing you out there is their Instagram life. It's all their Instagram filters that looks like. I mean, I've seen because my, my girls, they use that the Instagram uh, stuff. And, and I've seen that, you know, these, they, they take pictures of themselves. And I'm like, wow, that is, wow. <laughs> looks like Hollywood. It's all a filter. Now, I have beautiful girls, but I mean, these pictures make, make it look like they just, you know, had glamour shots and all that kind of stuff like that. So the whole world is meant to entice us to make us think that, that, that we're missing out on life. But you're not missing out on life. They're missing out on life. We have a life because life is in the sun. Y'all got it? All right, now. So he said, so we, we're promised here. I'm going back to the Declaration of Independence. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So, so we have life. We know that. And let's, let's talk about liberty. Do we have liberty in the sun? All right, let's, let, let's get Luke 4.18 on the screen, please. Luke 4.18 on the screen. Hallelujah. Because Jesus Christ talks about what he came. I'm talking about what he came to give us access to. I want you to see, hallelujah, that, this, that we have everything we need in Jesus. Luke 4, verse 18, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me, come on, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty, come on, those who are oppressed. So Jesus Christ came to set at liberty all those who are oppressed. So if anybody who has not received him, they are still oppressed. And they do not enjoy any liberty. They think they're free. Right? People in the world, they think they're free. When in reality, they are the ones bound. Glory to God. Well, I can, they say, I can do what I want. That's what you think. What you want is controlling what you do. Jesus, remember we read that last week, Jesus said, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. So sin is slavery. Huh? Come on, you have at least one cousin who knows he needs to stop smoking weed. He's, he's got them in trouble. Maybe got them arrested. Maybe got, he's lost a job. Come on now. And, and all these things going wrong. And say, man, why don't you just stop? Oh, I can stop if I want. Right. <laughs> and what's the problem? You can't stop because it's slavery. It's slavery. Oh, I'm free to make my choice and do whatever I want to do. No, the choices are driving you. Real liberty is in Jesus Christ. When I'm free to not do it. They think they're free to do it. No, you're bound to do it. We're free to not do it. Glory to God. We enjoy real liberty. John 8, 36. John 8, 36 says this. Jesus says, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So what if the Son doesn't make you free? Then you're not free indeed. It's only a fake liberty. So that's what people in the world think they have. Or they, they have that. They have that. A fake liberty is not real liberty. You're only free indeed if the Son makes you free. Y'all got it? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. One more. Where the word of God says, where the spirit of the Lord is, 
It says, now the Lord is the, is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Is the spirit of the Lord on the inside of you? Yes. Then you enjoy liberty. Y'all got it? So we know we have life, and we know we have liberty. Now, I want you to note something. If you get that definition back or that preamble back again on the Declaration of Independence, by we hold these truths to be self-evident. Now, notice it says here, life, liberty, those are rights, and, but it says the pursuit of happiness. So we have a right, according to, the, to them, to life, a right to liberty, but not a right to happiness. It's a right to the pursuit. In other words, we can promise you life. We can promise you liberty. But we can't promise you happiness. <laughs> that, that's, this is what they're saying. If I understand this thing correctly, this preamble, we can, we, can, we can promise you that as long as you're an American citizen, you'll have life and you have a right to live. You'll have liberty. You have a right to be free. But we can't promise you that you'll be happy. We can promise you you have a right to pursue happiness. Okay? Now, this is what the American freedom, the American dream, I'm not, I'm not downing America, trust me. I'm not downing our founding fathers because they, they understand that they can't give you happiness. I'm not, I'm not downing them. I understand that they were doing the best that they could. What I'm trying to get you to see is that we can go way beyond the pursuit of happiness into real happiness. I looked up, you know, I wanted, had you know, some questions. What does this statement even mean, the pursuit of happiness? And I looked up one definition from uh, a website called yourdictionary.com. And it says this, it says, the pursuit of happiness is defined as a fundamental right to freely pursue joy and live life in a way that makes you happy. As long as you don't do anything illegal, Right? As long as you're not doing anything illegal, you can pursue your happiness. Or violate the rights of others. In other words, if you, it would make you happy to kill your neighbor, you can't do that. You don't have the right to do that to make you happy. Okay? You don't have the right to take away their liberties. Okay? So the, the, the right, this right to pursue happiness is the pursuit of happiness is defined as a fundamental right to freely pursue joy and live life in a way that makes you happy. That makes you happy. To live life in a way that makes you happy. Alright? Everybody understand that? So if I were to, to stand here and poll everybody, survey everybody and ask you tell me one thing that would make you happy. I'll give everybody just a moment to think about that. Just maybe close your eyes for 10 seconds, not too long because y'all go to sleep. <laughs> uh, just think for a moment. What, name one thing that would make you happy because it says to me, I have a right to pursue joy and live a life in a way that makes me happy. That makes me happy. So what will be one thing that will make you uh, Happier or even just happy? Because some people aren't happy at all. Some people there, well, I'm happy, but I could be happier if. 
right? So there, there'll be many, many answers we could get, things that might make us happier, things that might make us happier. Uh, somebody probably sitting there thought, uh, if I lost 50 pounds. Nobody? All right, that would make me happy. If I lost 50 pounds. Oh. 50 pounds make me very happy. I'm just telling you the truth. I'd, I'd be happy as a lark, boy, if I... Praise the Lord. Huh. All right. Somebody in here, you just thought, if I get married... Getting married would make me happy. This is, I'm talking about pursuit of happiness here. So getting married would make me happy. Okay? Now there's somebody else in the room who might be thinking getting divorced. I don't ask you to show your answers to anybody. This is between you and God. Come on, let's be, let's be honest because there, you know, there, there are people who, who they, they, oh man, I just want to be married so bad. And they got married after two years, I just want a divorce. Because now they're not happy. Not, thank you. It's happened. See, remember my message is the hapless pursuit of happiness. The word hapless means it can't happen that way. See, this whole idea of the pursuit of happiness is like chasing ghosts. It's like chasing the wind. Because God never called us to pursue happiness. This is the whole point I want to make to you. God never, and many people get, get messed up in their lives because they're pursuing happiness and they have an idea in their minds of what thing or what things or what changes in their lives would make them happy. So they go out pursuing that thing. Somebody saying here, if I had a better job, I'll be happy. If I had a good job, I'll be happy. Somebody else might be saying, if I can just retire, I'll be happy. See, you got, in this, it's the flip, flip sides, the same equation. Am I right about it? Somebody here, you ready to retire. I'm, man, working too long. Long, too long. <laughs> Glory to God. Somebody want a new job. Somebody want to, you know, I want to retire. Somebody may be saying, okay, if I can just have a child, I'll be happy. Now, I'm listening to most of y'all. It got so quiet in here. Because a lot of y'all saying, if my child could just leave the house. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> see, see, I'm, I'm just talking. Lord, I got three more years. I'm counting down. Three more years. <laughs> I already drawn up plans for that bedroom. I think I'm going to turn this into a... I'm just talking about what... See, because if we don't have a set definition of happiness and it's left to everybody to decide what makes them happy, then what happens is you will violate others' rights. You will cross paths and get into trouble because you're trying to do what makes you happy. And because everybody has a different idea of what makes them happy, you're going to clash. Come on, right? We were talking about this the other night. Uh, some, some of us guys, were had, you know, we had, we had our, our male boldness time. 
we were, we were bonding as men the other night at the church, and we were talking, you know, because the women weren't around, we could talk freely. And we, <laughs> we were talking about how it is when you're, you're going to go out to eat somewhere, and, and you know, what are we going to eat? Right? And the man always says, you know, hey, honey, whatever, what, what, what do you want to Just tell me what you want to eat. And she always says, whatever you want, right? It doesn't matter. And then you suggest three places. Nah. And then you come up with three more places. Trying to please her, to make her happy. And she goes, mm, I thought you said it didn't matter. Yeah, but... The truth anyhow. Oh, I know this is a worry, Barry. This is, I didn't mean to call your name out, Barry. Your wife, your wife looking at you, praise the Lord. But it's, it's the truth. And what you find out, no, I, re I really wouldn't be happy with that. So then what happens is somebody's going to be maybe unhappy. I didn't really want to go to that place. Well, you say any place. Well, I didn't really want. Then, well, then you you get in a whole whole ordeal about you know I'm gonna order something. You sure you you don't, you want anything? No, I don't want anything. Okay, I'm just, you sure? Okay, I'm gonna get myself something. Then they come and then they start eating out of your food, and now you're not happy. And this is just it's just we got problems all around, 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 around. I'd be happy if you just get your own food. Right. Well, we know this is right. See, so my, my point to you is, is that everybody has a different idea of what makes them or what would make them happy. Maybe I'll be happier if I move into, into a certain neighborhood, I'll be happier. Maybe I'll be happier if I, if I can get into school. If I can just get into school, I'll be happy. And yet somebody's saying, if I can just graduate, I'll be happy. If I could just be over here, move to this other city or whatever, I'd be happier. I'd be happy in a different church. I'd be happy if we got out by 12, Pastor. I'd be, <laughs> praise the Lord. Here's a problem about, about when things, when you allow these shifting things to make you happy, is that when the initial emotional high wears off. Come on now. How many of y'all, you ever, you, ever, you, you finally went on that shopping spree? Nobody ever went on a shopping spree? You finally went on that shopping spree, you know, back in the day when I was a little kid. We finally went to Sears. Sears, they had Huskies. You finally went to Sears and you bought, bought your clothes, man. I'm just telling the truth. So you had to finally do this or J.C. Penney at Huskies. So you finally did that, boy, you got all your brand new clothes for the school year. Come on, teenagers, kids, y'all know what I'm talking about. You get that, finally get your brand new clothes for the school year, and you call yourself, you're going to be slick, and you're going to, you know, you iron them all up before school starts. At least a whole week worth of clothes, you iron them all up, and then you, and you make sure your shoes are all clean, and then what you do, once, once you got a little older, you start being a little, a little more slick, that you didn't wear your, all your new clothes the first week. 
too smart for that. You let all, you let, let all, let all, all, all the sorry kids wear all their new clothes the first week. Then the next week, you break out your new gear. Come on, am I right about it? Because you feel good. You're high-stepping. And nobody step on your shoes. And you got the crease in your, in your, in your jeans back in the day. Crease in the jeans. And you press. Got your fresh cut with your name in the back of your head. Right? But how many know the hair grows back? And the shoes get dirty? The clothes start to wear? Before you know it, the initial emotional high of that new wardrobe begins to wear off. I'm going to message y'all now. You finally get your new girlfriend, a new boyfriend. Oh, I got, I got my man, I got my man. And then the initial emotional high begins to wear off. Or, or, I'm, I'm just going to tell on me. No, I'm telling Gershaw. I'm, telling him, I'm, I'm talking about high school now. I'm, talking, I'm not talking about his grown men, married men. I'm talking about as in high school, thank you, TJ. In high school, you get that girl, whoa, that's the one, boy, that's the one. And now you start dating and you all committed. Everybody on the whole campus know you're dating that girl now. But all of a sudden, you see another one. Oh. See, y'all not saying anything. Y'all just, y'all not saying anything. Thank you, thank you, TJ. We can talk. You see another one that, you know, she, she, she got a different shape or, or different look or, oh. And now that initial high you had from the original one has worn off because now, now you're back in the pursuit of happiness. This is the point I'm making to you. That if you let these little things make, make you happy, the moment that happiness wears off, you're back in the rat race again. Come on now. Because you know this, you, you can get one car. And really love your one car. This is the car I had to have. Oh, I finally got me a 1978 Pinto. And you got your 1978 Pinto or your little gremlin. And you're happy. But all of a sudden, next thing you know, a Mustang comes out. And I got to have a Mustang. And you're stuck in the constant pursuit of happiness. Are you with me? Now. So as believers, we're not called to pursue happiness. We're called to pursue God. I said we're not called to pursue happiness. I said we're called to pursue God. Do I have any believers in here? We're called to pursue God. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God. Come on now, in his righteousness. And what will happen? All these things. All what thing? Things that will make you happy. In fact, go to Matthew 6. I want to show you something here. Matthew 6 and verse, uh, well, for sake of time, so we can get out before 12 something. Uh, verse, I want y'all to be happy. No, more importantly, I want God to be happy. Trust me, I want God to be happy. Matthew 6, 31. 6, 31 in the New King James. Therefore, do not worry. Be happy. Y'all see that? Yes. Does your Bible say that? Yes. Do not worry. Be happy. That's what it's saying. It says, don't worry, saying, 
What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles are in pursuit of. The Gentiles, the world, the, the unsaved. They're, they're in pursuit of happiness because, you know, having, uh, you know, something to eat, something to drink, something to, something to wear, a house, or whatever it is, whatever new gadgets out there is what's going to make them happy. So they are in pursuit of that. They seek those things. But we aren't supposed to seek those things. Verse 33 says this. Verse 33, but seek first. You seek first. In fact, if you read this same uh, uh, story in the book of Luke, he doesn't say seek first. He just says, but seek. He doesn't use the word first. He just says straight up, just seek. In other words, don't seek first God and then seek secondly, seek other stuff. No, no, just seek God. That's the whole point. Just seek God and his, ki and his, uh, his kingdom and his righteousness or his way of doing things and all these things that they're seeking for to make them happy shall be added to you. So that means, watch this, I don't have to pursue happiness. Happiness starts pursuing me. Oh, y'all not catching that. I don't have to seek the things, the things are looking for me. Because, can I tell you something? Can I, can I, can I tell you a secret? Your Bible says in Psalm 139, right around verse 14 or so, it says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, if you are fearfully and wonderfully made by God, then guess who knows what will make you happy? Oh boy, y'all don't. I said, guess who actually knows what will make you happy? That means you don't really know what will make you happy. You're, what you think will make you happy is just based on already experiences that you've had or what you see somebody else has, what you think you like, but God knows you better than you know you. The Bible says he knows your thoughts are far off. He knows deep down on the inside what will really make you happy. See, you think you'd be happy with that car. That's not the car's going to get He says, I got a car that'll really make you happy. You think you'd be happy with that house. That's nice. God says, you know, you know he, God might, might have these statements like we have. If you like it, I love it. You ever tell anybody that? People, you know, you disagree about something, you know, hey, if you like it, I love it. I'm not going to argue with you. you. You know what makes you happy, so you think. If you like it, I love it. But God said, he said, if you like it, I love it. But I know what you like even better because I made you. And I know what will really make you happy. So don't seek those things. Just seek me. And if you seek me, I'll make those things come after you and you'll really be happy. And you know why, why you'll really be happy? Because even the things that you get, you don't have to toil over it. Oh, can I tell you a secret? I love the fact that every month when I get, when I drive my car, I don't have to think about, man, oh, I got to pay this payment on this car. Now, now, let me, let me just say, it's not my dream car. But I can dream at night peacefully. Y'all to hear it. I can sleep at night and not worry about them clean, clean. Because, see, I've been through that. None of y'all have been through that. I know. I have been through that experience in, a, in the middle of the night where somebody disrupted, interrupted my sleep pattern. 
Had the nerves to pull their big truck in my driveway. Had the nerves to hook their chains up to my car and start pulling off in the middle of the night. I've had that happen more than once. More than twice. More than thrice. I'm not going to lie to you. Listen, I wasn't, I wasn't always as smart as I am today. But I know better now. Nobody can, can come take my bed from under me now. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And God knows that'll really make you happy. That'll really make you happy. See, he knows. He knows, he knows what kind of clothes will really make you happy. He, shh, watch this. He knows the kind of spouse that'll really make you happy. Come on now. I'm, I'm messing with you now. Some of y'all got a picture, got your little list. Tall and dark and handsome, long flowing hair. Chiseled features. And you go looking for the movie star, and God knows the movie star, that basketball player that you, you got your eyes on, he, he cheat like a cheater. He's a, he's a, <laughs> you, know, you, don't, you don't want that. That's not really going to make you happy. You want that one and go, he, he's, he go right to your same church with you. He prays, worship the Lord right there with you. He, uh, uh, he, Singing the praise team, or he on the you know men's chorus, or he in the you know band, or he you know he already you know I'm talking about you know she's already at the church there. She knows how to cook. You you think about a figure, you ain't think about food. <laughs> you getting fooled up by that figure, bro? You have to eat. You see, my point is to you is that don't ever get caught up in this hapless pursuit of happiness. Because God knows how to bring you exactly what, who you need to be really happy. Are y'all hearing anything today? So I want you to make sure today, first of all, you know that God wants you happy. Everybody say God wants you happy. Matthew chapter 7, please. Matthew chapter 7. In verse 11, I want you to know that God wants you happy. He's a good, good father. Look at Matthew 7, verse 11. It says this, if you then, being evil, this is talking about Jesus, Jesus talking to men, natural men. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So how many of y'all parents know how to give good gifts to your children? Y'all know how to do it, right? He says, and evil as you are, you know how to do that. Well, how much more will your father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Why do parents give good gifts to their children? Yeah, I know love. Yeah, love. Because you want them happy. Right? Christmas morning shows up. You don't go and say, well, nothing under the tree. I don't have anything good for you, but I hope you're happy. 
put something under there under the tree. If not, in fact, most times you, you try to surprise them. You go, you know, get your little shopping list and try to surprise them. But every once in a while, you try to get a little hint. You know, that's the whole reason why they have the Santa Claus in the, in the department store. Is you take the little child, let the child sit on, not y'all, I know y'all don't do this. You take the little child and let the child sit on Santa Claus' lap, and Santa Claus says, hey, little Johnny, what do you want for Christmas? And as a parent, you're listening. So that way you know what they want for Christmas. Y'all ever seen Christmas Story in a little... <laughs> why? Because you want... You want to find, come on, what makes them happy. And God says, if you know how to do that, being evil, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So if you ask God for good things, he'll give you good things. Why? Why? Because he wants you happy. Say it, because he wants me happy. Say it again, because God wants me happy. Say that again with your religious self. God wants me happy. God wants me happy. Glory to God. You speak this in a religious church. Like, no, 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 no. God's not concerned about your happiness. Don't tell such a lie. You don't know God. You have no clue about who God really is. God wants his people happy. He wants you smiling. He wants you rejoicing. He wants you celebrating. He wants you being the life of the party all the time. God is not interested in you being sad. He, he's not, God's not a sad God. God's not some Grinch sitting on his throne waiting for you to make a mistake, waiting for you to sin so he can hit you over, over your head. That's not God. God loves you. And because God loves you, he's a good father, he wants you happy. Everybody say, God wants me happy. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. First Timothy 6, verse 17. Write that scripture down. First Timothy 6, verse 17. This is Paul talking to Timothy and saying, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches. That's what people get into pursuing. Matter of fact, let me, let me turn over there. Um, thank you, Lord. Go to, stay in that same chapter, and go to verse 6. I'll show you something. The Holy Spirit just brought that to me. 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. Are you there? Yes, sir. It says, now godliness with contentment or happiness is great gain. So to be godly and happy or to be godly and happily satisfied is great gain. Are y'all hearing this? Yes, now watch this. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Is that right? You've ever been to a funeral? There's never a U-Haul truck following the hearse. You understand? You came here with nothing, you're going to leave with nothing. You got it? Verse 8, and having food and clothing with these we shall be content or happily satisfied. Watch this, verse 9. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Verse 10. For the love of money, y'all quiet on me right now, is a root of all kinds of evil. 
For which some, watch this, having strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. All right, Pastor, we got an issue here then. Because you keep talking about God wants us rich. You keep preaching about how the blessing of the Lord makes us rich and has no sorrow with it. Yes. The Bible didn't say there's something wrong with being rich. It says they who have this, this desire or this unhealthy desire to be rich. That means being rich becomes your pursuit. Y'all don't like this part here. Nothing wrong with being rich. Don't ever, don't ever let anybody say, oh, that person's filthy rich. Ain't nothing filthy about riches. There's only something filthy about hearts. Because a rich man who's filthy in his heart before he's rich will just, will just demonstrate his filthiness even more. But a man who's good and generous before he's rich, when, he, when he's made rich, he'll just be generous even more. Is that your Bible? Psalm 112. That rich man, who, the man who, who the Bible says in Psalm 112 verse 3, wealth and riches are in his house. He becomes a generous, a very generous man. He gives. So there's nothing wrong with being rich. The problem is here in 1 Timothy was, was that don't, don't have this unhealthy desire to be rich. Where people get so caught up in being rich, they forsake their wives or their husbands or their children. They forsake their God. They forsake their families. And all it becomes is about being rich. I got to make more money. I'm hustling. Getting rich or die trying. That's stupid. Get rich or die trying. You dying trying. You, you are dying. You're already a dead man. Because your Bible says in Proverbs that riches will certainly make themselves wings. Does your Bible say that? Riches will make themselves wings and fly away. So that means the person who's going after that, they'll always be in the constant pursuit. Got it? Now, so there's nothing wrong with being rich. Everybody, say, everybody understand that. There's nothing wrong with being rich. You got it? Okay, because he says in verse 11, go to verse 11. But you, O man, man of God, flee these things and pursue, huh? Not happiness, not riches, righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. That's what, that's what we're called to pursue. Not pursue happiness. Not pursue wealth. We pursue these things. Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Lay hold on the God kind of life. So when you and I fight the good fight of faith, we lay hold of, we seize, we grab hold of the life that God intends us to have. Y'all got it? Now, go down to verse 17 because I want to show you there's nothing wrong with being rich. This is what we were looking at here. Because when, when Paul tells Timothy to command those who are rich, Paul, Paul understands Timothy doesn't have control or authority over the unsaved rich. He's talking about the rich in the church. The rich in the church. So it's okay to be rich in the church. In fact, God wants you to be rich in the church. Because a rich person in the church who's pursuing righteousness and gentleness and meekness and these things like faith, they're going to be generous. They're going to, they're going to listen to God on how we handle these riches. Right? So this is what he says. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, arrogant, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, watch this, who gives us richly 
all things to enjoy, to be happy. So God gives you things, so God knows how to give you things to make you happy. Are you getting this here? This is making sense to you. Second Peter chapter one, verse three. Second Peter one, verse three. Glory to God. It says here, as his divine power, God's divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So God has already given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So things we need to have a happy life and a godly life, God gives us all these things. Are you hearing me today? So I'm not called to pursue happiness. I'm not called to pursue things. I'm called to simply pursue God. Y'all got me on this. All right, now, so say it again. God wants me happy. Say this. Say, God has already done everything I need to be happy. He's already done everything I need to be happy. He's already given his son. His son has already given his life. Everything I need to have a happy and enjoyable life, he's already given me. Well, pastor, why am I not happy? Why am I not happy all the time? I got an answer for you today. It's because there are forces that are working against our happiness. It's not because God is not there to make you happy. It's not because God has not given everything. It's not because God doesn't want you happy. It's because there are other forces that are working against our happiness. Glory to God. Glory to God. When children are first born, children are just normally happy. If you got a sad baby, it's something wrong. A baby that doesn't giggle and smile. and, and if, if you can't make a baby happy, something's wrong with you or something wrong with that baby. Children, normally happy. Their normal mode is happy. You understand? For children, the default is happy. Am I right about that? Children, man, the children can be happy. You know, you, you, y'all know how it is. You go Christmas time, you spend all this money on, on Christmas gifts for the, for the little child. He's two or three years old, and they go get the box and play with the box for seven days, play with the, one, the toy for three minutes, and then they, go, they play with the box for seven days. Because they're happy using their imagination, just enjoying life, because their default is happy. It's, not, it's not, a, not until we start growing up and start dealing with bills. Come on now. And challenges and, and, and idiots, at, I mean, people at work and, and all kind of struggles and all kind of stuff we have to deal with, that all of a sudden now we start, we, we move our default from happy to our default being sad and depressed. And we're not supposed to ever be there. We're our default. How you doing? I'm okay. All the time. I'm okay. Okay. You made okay your default. That, that's your norm. And I'm going to just tell you, just, I'm going to just tell you the truth. I'm really not interested in being around people who their norm is sad. I don't, I don't want you to bring me down. I don't, I don't want to breathe in your air. I'm just going to tell you the truth. I, I don't. But the reason is, is that there are forces that are working against our happiness. I want to show you one. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Just give me a few minutes. I'll, I'll finish this here. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Says, be sober, be vigilant. In other words, be, be aware, be, be, be clear-minded. Be clear-minded. 
and be aware because your adversary, everybody knows what an adversary is. An adversary is an enemy, a, a foe, it's one who opposes you. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So you have this enemy of your faith, this enemy of your happiness, who is always out to keep you from being happy. You know, he doesn't want you happy. You know why he doesn't want you happy? Because he's not happy. The devil's not happy. He's really upset. He's depressed. He's mad. He's, 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 he's torn apart because he knows that his time is short. He knows his end is hell, the lake of fire. He knows that. And so he's not happy, so he doesn't want you happy. You know there are people like that. You ever heard the phrase, misery loves company? You ever talk to somebody and they're not happy, so they try to talk you out of your happiness too? You better move on out my way now. All right. Hey, good talking to you. Nice, you know. Peace out. Because I'm not going to let you bring me down in your misery just because you're not happy. I'm not, you know, I don't, let, I don't let folk who are mad make me mad. They want you to be mad with them. Aren't you mad about this? No, I'm not mad about that. Why should I be mad about that? Tell me why. What? What? Really? That's all they did? Okay. Well, I'm not really mad. But, you know, if you're mad, that's okay. But I'm just not really mad. I mean, we're not in second grade anymore, are we? I said we're not in second grade anymore, are we? So we don't get stuff like secondhand offense. Y'all know what secondhand offense is, right? When you in second grade, second, third grade, elementary school on the playground, and, and Susie didn't like Yolanda, and so uh, Susie went to, to, to Mary and told Mary, hey, don't play with Yolanda because I don't like her. So now, now Mary don't play with Yolanda because Susan don't like Yolanda. That's secondhand offense. And grown folks still do that. Secondhand offense. No, I'm not going to be mad just because you're mad. And I'm not going to be sad just because you're sad. I choose to be happy. I said I choose to be happy. It's a lot easier on me being happy than it is being sad. When I'm happy all the time, endorphins are released in my body. Endorphins, those chemical releases that are, that are released in my body to, to keep my body healthy and strong. The Bible says laughter does the heart good like medicine. So I'd much rather spend my time laughing and being happy than being sad and upset. What you upset about? I forgot. So we have an adversary, the devil, and the devil comes. He's, the Bible calls him a deceiver. He's a deceiver. The Bible says he deceives the whole world. So what he does is he comes with a deception to make you think that something ought to be a way that is not. That, that is not. And so now you're because of deception, you're unhappy with a situation when you should be happy. It happens to husbands and wives. He comes with have you thinking something that you think they said or think they did something, think they, they thought something. They weren't even thinking that. And now here you are upset and unhappy when you should be happy. Because he's an adversary and he's a deceiver. So he's walking around seeing who he can devour to get you out of your state of happiness. So you have an enemy of your happiness. Number two, I want you to look at Isaiah 61 verse 3. Let me finish up. Let me finish up here. I'm trying to help you here today. We'll get to this next part next time. 
Isaiah 61 verse 3, Jesus talks about, or this is what Jesus is quoting from uh, in Luke 4. But Isaiah prophesies here about the coming Messiah. He says, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So there's something called a spirit of heaviness. Everybody say spirit of heaviness. Spirit of heaviness is a demonic uh, 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 oppression that comes to make you heavy or sad or grievous, or gr grieving when, you, when you're supposed to be happy. You ever, you ever got up in the morning, just, just be honest with me, and you were sad and didn't know, really know why? Has that ever happened to anybody? I know some of y'all, it's happened to me. Just gotten up and you're getting dressed and you're just sad and I'm not even sure why I'm sad. What's wrong? I slept good last night. Nobody broke in the house last night. The air conditioner was working. I don't know. Get up sad. Got clothes. Got, got clothes in the, in, the, in the closet. Got food in the refrigerator, food in the cupboard. And uh, everything's fine. Nobody didn't have a fight with anybody. I mean, it was, I just, I just, I feel blah. Y'all didn't say anything to me. I just feel blah. I know if y'all not saying it's your neighbor though. Your neighbor, your neighbor will admit. I just, I just feel, huh, huh. Thank you. Yeah, it's just, hmm. I don't know. Well, if you know everything's fine, why is there this? It's a spirit of heaviness. You know the devil is real. Evil spirits are real. I know on TV they've made them like, like there's some kind of fantasy kind of thing, but on, the demons are real. And they'll come and creep in. And for the believer, for the believer, a believer cannot be possessed by a devil, but a believer can be oppressed by a devil. The Bible says, and uh, I think it's, give me Acts 10 and 38. Give me Acts 10 38 real quick. I want you, I want you to see this here. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were what? Oppressed, oppressed by the devil. So the devil can oppress, oppress people. He can, so oppress means to press down, to put pressure on you. So here you are, you're supposed to be happy today. It's a good day, man. It's, it's Saturday, it's the weekend, I ain't got to go to work. And I was just, hmm. You ever hear people say, rainy days and Mondays always get me down? Why? Rainy, this rainy. <laughs> so you put on some sad music, <laughs> which further exacerbates the problem. <sighs> now, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm telling you because we've all been through it, even if we won't admit it. I said, we've all been through it, even if we won't admit it. Those times when we know nothing's wrong, but we just feel this, this. And it, what it feels like, back, again, back in Isaiah 61, verse 3, heaviness. It's a heaviness. I feel like I just, I, you ever felt like you just, just can't get going? It's the spirit of heaviness that's weighing down on you. And if you don't know how to shake it off, it'll consume you. That's why the Bible says he gives us a garment of praise. That's why when you're, when you're going through a spirit of heaviness, listen to me, listen to me real good, everybody. Don't put on worship music. Praise is what I do when I want to be close to you. You ain't praising. 
You ain't praising. That ain't, that's nothing like how praise sounds. You see, we, 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 we can do that trying to overcome this, this spirit of heaviness with, with well, I'm going to put on some worship. You sing these slow, sappy songs. Oh, searched all over. Couldn't find it. Before you know, you nobody greater. And what you really think is nobody greater because I don't even know what I'm going through, Lord. I just, no. 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 You need some hopped up music. Woke up this morning with my mind and it was stayed on Jesus. Well, I woke up this morning with my mind and it was stayed. You know what I'm saying? Some hopped up music. This morning when I rose yeah, I didn't have. Oh, this morning when I rose yeah. I mean, you hopped up, man. You, you gotta do it because because listen, there is a real spirit. It's not it's not just Monday. It's a spirit. It's a real. You can't see it, but it's there. He's coming your room, coming your house to to oppress you, push you down, and then then you walk out of your bedroom. Now talk to the kids, and the kids like, "Hey, mom, good morning, good morning." Now all of a sudden, you, as that spirit begins to travel through the house. Before you know it, now, you, now your husband and your wife there. This thing down, the kids are down. and now, you, now you're on your way to work and now somebody cuts you off and here you go with your Christian self and you putting up the number one sign on the road. You're like, I thought you were a Christian. Where did that language come from, Christian? I don't know what's gotten into me. It started this morning when that spirit of heaviness came in. And you tried to wind your way through it. Thank you, Lord. I'm, I'm dealing with the foes. I'll, I'll deal with next time the, how, how we get over this, okay? Can y'all come back next time? Uh, something else, one thing I taught you already is the anti-anointing. Everybody say the anti-anointing. Anti Remember I've been teaching about Isaiah 10, 27, that the anointing is the burden removing, yoke the strong power of God that does you good and makes you glad. The anointing is the burden removing, yoke destroying power of God that does you good and makes you glad. So then the anti-anointing, which is that spirit of heaviness, is the burden loading, yoke building power of Satan that does you bad and makes you sad. So there's something that comes on you, ladies and gentlemen. Can we all agree on this now? Yes. Now that we've talked about it for a few minutes, can you all agree that, hey, there's, I've, I've been through days like that? Yes. How many of y'all have been through day, days like that and came to church? Yes. See, I knew I wasn't crazy. I knew. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I knew I wasn't crazy when I'm looking out there and your people, you look like you're... Because <sighs> this thing, is, it, just, it gets on you. And in the church, many times we don't talk about it. Right. Right. Because we're all supposed to be up. And we are. 
But if we, if we don't deal with what's, what's got us down, then we don't, we don't know how to, how to fight against that and come up. Remember I gave you 1 Peter 5, 8? You remember we looked at that, 1 Peter 5, 8? Give me that on the screen again, please, real quick. Let me go back. Be sober, be vigilant, for, because your adversary, the devil, walks about us like a roaring lion seeking who may devour. Remember I told you about that? Go to verse 9. Go to verse 9. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Resist him. Stand fast in the faith. So when I know this evil spirit, this spirit of heaven is coming, coming against me, I need to resist him. Don't let him rot. Don't, don't, don't let him sit there for an hour and you moping and looking in your cereal. No. Resist him steadfast. That means all the time. In the faith. So use your faith. Don't act how you feel. Act opposite of how you feel. If you're feeling down, act like, act like you just won a billion dollars. Come on now. When this stuff is trying to come on you, you better get your praise on, get your dance on, get your shout on, shout in the house. No, I will not be sad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. I have to resist him. I don't allow him to overtake me. If I don't resist him, he will overtake me. And before I know it, I go from oppression to depression to suicide. People who are suicidal don't start out suicidal. They start out just sad and don't know why. So the Bible tells us, tells us resist him. Steadfast in the faith. Watch this part, Sister Annie. Knowing that the same sufferings. I don't know why. How come? How come Miss Hattie always looking, she always look happy when she comes to church. She always come dancing down the aisle. Miss Hattie, she always happy. No. She's not always happy. The same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Pastor John always happy. No. There are times when that spirit of heaviness comes on me. And I have to resist him steadfast in the faith. I choose to rejoice. I choose to be happy. I choose to smile. I choose to dance. I bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And you got to find out how in the morning time, in the night time, when you ride home from work or on your way to work, how to give God a sacrifice of praise. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to praise you anyhow. I don't feel like shouting, but I'm going to shout anyhow. I don't feel like dancing, but I'm going to dance anyhow. I don't feel like talking to God, but I'm going to talk to him anyhow. I don't feel like reading my word, but I'm going to read it anyhow. I'm going to give God a sacrifice. Doggone it, that's what it means, a sacrifice. You're not going to feel like it. But this is how you're going to resist. This is how you're going to resist. This is how you're going to whip the devil's tail. This is how you're going to... You, you have, you have, you have a, <laughs> I remember, but it's been a long time since I had a fight. I mean, a physical fight. But I, I've had physical fights, believe it or not. Physical fights. I, didn't, I never lost one. Undefeated. Never lost. Right? That, that's that LeVar ball. Undefeated. Never lost. So, but I remember I didn't start the fights. I never started one. Somebody else started a fight against me. And my words used to always be, you better get off me. 
If you don't get off me, I'm going to get you up off me. You kept playing, all right. I got to get you up off me now. You cracking too hard, I got to get you up off me. Did, 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 did you say my mama? Wait, wait, hold on. Did, did, you, did you, my mama what? Now it was okay to talk about my uncle and my auntie and my daddy and my brother and my sister and you can call me whatever you want to but did you, did you, did, did you say, you said my mama? Now I got to get you up off me. The devil is talking about you. He's putting you down. He's trying to deceive you, trying to accuse you. It's time to stop sitting there and let him bully you around. And you just say, devil, I'm about to get you up off me. I'm not going to be sad. I'm not going to be moping. I'm not going to be depressed. You're not going to take my life. I'm going to get you up off me. And I got to get my praise on. If that's what it takes, I'm going to get you up off me today. Right here. I refuse to be sad. I refuse to be depressed. I refuse to be unhappy. I have a right to life, liberty, and happiness. It's my God-given right. Everybody stand to your feet. Everybody stand to your feet. That's all the time I have. I'm way past time. I'm way past time. I'll show you this here next time because there are some more enemies that I'm going to talk about. I talked about the adversary, the devil, the spirit of heaviness, the anti-anointing. I'm going to also talk to you next time about the danger of comparison and competition. There are a lot of reasons people are unhappy because they're caught up in comparison and competition. And so they have a perception of life that makes them unhappy. But I want you today to get the devil up off you. You have an adversary of the devil. The Bible says to resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that your brothers, look around you, look, at, look around you. Those people around you who look all happy right now, they're smiling. They have been sad too. They have been under attack as well. That's one of the reasons why we come together. We encourage each other. We edify each other. We build each other up. When you come around, we say, all right, go and hug through people and tell them I love you and God bless you and all that kind of stuff. It didn't just, oh, I got to hug through people. It's because, man, you have a chance to release the gladness that's on you or receive the gladness that's on somebody else. You never know, somebody might not have had a hug in seven days. They may not have heard anybody say to them something like simple as, I love you, or good to see you. And they can be married. And I've not heard that spouse or anybody in the house say, hey, I love you, glad to see you. How was your day? And all these kind of circumstances and all these kind of things that come are meant to bring this weight upon us heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier. And when that oppression comes, it comes the pressure down. I've talked about physical, the, phys the physiological things that happen, fibromyalgia, um, the rheumatoid arthritis, that are not necessarily physical things. 
they're physiological things, which means they, they start in our minds. They start in our minds. The Bible says a good word makes the bones healthy, makes the bones glad. A good word will make your bones healthy. So obviously, if you're not getting a good word, it's, it, it starts here and this, it becomes so heavy that it weighs you down and everything begins to hurt. You know, the Bible, uh, there, there's a spirit of pain. There's a spirit, the pain is a spirit that works with the spirit of heaviness. And God doesn't want us living in pain, suffering in a, in a sort of way. He wants you happy. He wants you happy. So today I want you to just take a minute. Praise the Lord. And just for a minute, just, just for a couple of seconds, think about anything or things that you recognize the devil is doing to make you unhappy. There's some things he's doing. There's some attacks that we're under. And if there's nothing that's in your life, then I want you to be able to help somebody else next to you. Today we're going to take authority over the attack of the enemy. We're going to take authority over the attack of the enemy. The devil is serious. He's real. He's not playing. I mentioned to you uh, just a few weeks back about the this, this serious, the high suicide rate among teenagers. Our children. It's serious. We understand the high suicide rate among our veterans. Those who've served in the armed forces and have seen tragic things, suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. People have seen all sorts of things and what happened is they can't shake off that grief. It's the spirit of heaven, ladies and gentlemen. It's real. And we talk about in America, mental disorders. And they're right in a sense, but what they don't, they don't, they don't know it's not just mental. It's not just mental, it's spiritual. And so what they do is they're gonna treat mental disorders with medicines, with chemicals, to try to alter what's going on on the inside. The problem is chemicals can't do anything about a spirit. They can't do anything about a spirit. In fact, I go so far as to say this, that when you bring in those chemicals, pharmaceuticals, they, it's what the Bible calls pharmakia. When you see in the, in the, in the, in the Bible, New Testament, the, the Greek, or the word, English word sorcery or witchcraft, it's the Greek word pharmakia where we get the word pharmaceutical from. So when they are given these psychotropic drugs that are meant to deal with depression and these, these disorders like that, all they're doing is just actually uh, furthering the issue. I read about in the Bible, Jesus said, if, if, a, if, a, if a man is cleansed of a demon, and that demon goes off looking for a new home, and then he can't find anywhere, he says, you know, I'll go back to my house that's clean and swept. And the Bible says he comes back and he brings seven more, more wicked than he is. Which means, glory to God, that there are levels of wicked demons. 
There are levels of wickedness in demons. Some demons are just, you know, mild, just make you just, you know, mad all the time. But some demons, they get more and more wicked. So what I'm saying is we have the spiritual power to overcome. And listen, in this church, there may be somebody in here, right here in this day, who you're battling with depression, battling with the spirit of heaviness, battling sadness, and hey, I, don't, I can't figure it out. I, I, can't, I just can't shake it. I just, Pastor, I just feel blah. And, and you can even feel it in your physical body. I want to pray for you. I want you to this altar right now. I'm going, we're going to pray right now. Every person who's battling the spirit of heaviness, I want to pray for you right now. Every person. And I want you to just, no, no need to be ashamed because remember we read, all your brethren in the world are going through it. So if that's you, I want you to come to this altar. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. And if it's not you, you're going to be praying for people who are dealing with it. Because we don't want to be dealing with this. We don't want to sit out of the by and let our brothers and sisters go through and we're not doing anything about it. Come on. You, you recognize the spirit of heaviness. Just the spirit of heaviness. I, I, I just can't shake it. Pastor, I know I'm supposed to be happy. I know I'm supposed to have joy. I know. I know. We come here all the time and we praise and we do all that kind of stuff. I know it, but in and of myself, it's just this thing. This thing, I go back home, when the praise worship is over, when the music is stopped, I go back home, I get in my car, and I, I go to my house, and it's just, I'm back to, <sighs> I, wish, I wish the church could be in my house with me, we could just all praise God all the time, but it's not. So I go back home, and it's just, <sighs> for some of you, it may be a thing you're going through right now. And for others, it may not be a particular thing, it just may be, <sighs> This is weird. I don't know why I'm dealing with this. My goodness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I would rush, but this is too important. I would hurry, but you are too important to me. You are too important to me to rush through this. There's probably some more young people. When I say young, I'm talking about teenagers. I know we all, we all young people here. I'm talking about teenagers though, who are battling. Who are battling. It's just this heaviness, I don't know. And maybe you haven't even told your parents about it. Maybe you haven't said anything. You escape to your room and they think you're just in there playing games or you're in there doing something, but in reality, you're escaping to your room. The stuff you're dealing with, you don't, you don't really know how to deal with. I want you to come to this altar. Come on. Come on, whoever you are. Whoever you are. Whoever you are, I want, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. The Bible says that the anointing is the burden removing yoke destroying power of God so there's an anointing here today to break that spirit and break that blah off of your life hallelujah thank you Lord thank you Lord now what I need if you're not at this altar but you, you know how to pray I want you to stand behind these people up here today because I want you to extend that anointing that's on your life
I don't need everybody, just a few of you just to gather around here because I want to make sure I know who's being prayed for. It's amazing that in church, many times we don't, we don't deal with real issues. Especially in, in the faith camp like we're in, I'm never supposed to let anybody know I'm down. Nobody's supposed to ever know I'm battling something like this. Nobody should ever know that I'm not as strong as people think I am. I tell you what, if you're up here and you admit it, you need help, you're the strongest ones in the room. You're the strongest ones in the room. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray in a minute. Don't hurry me, y'all. There's just people. This is a day of deliverance for somebody. Can I just tell you the truth? Sometimes people just need to come up and just cry. Really? Really? Just, just, just cry? I know he's, don't, don't cry. And sometimes you just need to just, let me cry it out because that's, that's that human and emotional side of me. Okay, that's that soul. I, I, I got it. Deal with your soul. Then we're going to deal with the Spirit. We're going to deal with the Spirit. Glory to God. Who else do we cry around? Who else do we lean on? The world, they can't help us. They'll cry and tell us about some other things that's wrong too. And then they'll add their problems to your problems. Now we're all crying about, oh Lord. No, no, no. I need to get on some people that when I cry, they say, hey, I'm going to help encourage you in the Lord. I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to build you up. All right, so everybody's here going to want to be prayed for? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. All right, we're getting ready to pray. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Y'all strength is showing right here today. Thank you, Lord. 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 Marakashitaralabasho tokora masikayabasata. Spirit of the living God. We call on you this morning, today, because Lord, your spirit is greater than the spirit of heaviness. Your power is greater than the power of the enemy. And God, you have already made arrangements. You've already made provision for us to be happy, to live in joy, to live in victory. And God, I thank you that, God, you've given us the right to life, a right to liberty, liberty from all fears, liberty from all worries, freedom from all condemnation, freedom from all guilt, freedom from all shame. You've given us, Lord, happiness. And God, I thank you, Lord, that it's available to us. 
you made everything available. You've done whatever it takes for us to have it. Now, Father, I ask you, to look on these, my brothers and sisters. Look on these, your sons and daughters. And God, I ask you to get right to the heart of the issue. To get right to the heart of the issue, Lord. That whatever is ailing them, whatever is coming against them, God, I ask you to deal with it right now in this place. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over the spirit of heaviness. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over depression. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over grief and mourning. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over sadness. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over every demon. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over misery. In the name of Jesus, I release in this place the joy of the Lord. I release now in this place the joy of the Lord. I release in this place the anointing that removes every burden. The anointing that destroys that yoke of depression. I release in this place right now the presence and spirit of the living God. Oh God, I ask you to fill every heart now with your joy. Fill every heart now with your peace. Fill every heart now with your love. I pray right now for that individual who they don't feel loved. Cause them to know your love. Cause them to know your love today. God, I ask you to give them a big hug right now, Lord. Just wrap them in your arms right now, Lord. Wrap them in your arms right now, Lord. In the name of Jesus. That one who's feeling grief from the loss of a loved one. The loss of a career or a job. The loss of a status. The loss something meaningful I ask you Lord to give them a, re a replenishing refill them fill that void in the name of Jesus fill that void in their life cause them to know Lord who they are and what they have and what they have Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now those of you who are around praying, I, I, want, I might need a few more people. Just get in. I want to make sure every person who's, who's being prayed for, they, they, they know somebody's right there with them. I, I want to make sure they know somebody's with them. They need to feel your hug, your hand, something.
This is this is mass ministry. This is mass ministry. We're not helping them grieve. We're helping we're helping them recover. We're not helping their sadness. We're, we are being helpers of their joy. That's what Paul said. Paul said, we are helpers of your joy. We're here to comfort those who mourn. There's an anointing on you right now, brothers and sisters, to comfort those who mourn. God, somebody who's feeling the, the loss or sadness, oh God, from something having not worked out, an, an unfulfilled dream, I pray for those who are who have an unfulfilled desire in the name of Jesus that God you let them know that God their times are in your hands and it's not too late that you don't say no all your promises they are yes and they are amen that God that you have them in your hands their lives and their times are in your hands. That one who feels like they failed. I pray that Lord you let them know that you have them right where you want them. That you have them in that perfect place. That Lord let them know that what you shall achieve in their life, what they shall do, shall be great exploits. And that God you fully intend to use them. I pray for that brother, sister, Lord, who feels like they have failed you, like they've let you down, like they've fallen short and can't get back to you. Let them know that you love them with everlasting love, that like that prodigal son, you're waiting to receive them and that you have something waiting for them, God, a blessing in store for them. Let them know, Lord, it's forgiven and it's forgotten. It's forgiven and it's forgotten. And God, you're restoring them to their rightful place in you. You're restoring them to their rightful walk with you. You're restoring them, God, to that place where you called them to be. I pray for that husband that's struggling right now. Depressed and struggling because he feels like he's failed his family, like he's not providing enough, he's not doing enough. God, I pray that God, you cause him to know that all he has to do is seek first your kingdom. That God, anyway, you're the provider. That anyway, you're the provider. You've got their family in your hands. In the name of Jesus. That wife who feels like she's failed her husband or failed her children. Let her know, Lord. You're the one who takes care. Father, right now, we release our strength into our brothers and sisters. We claim their souls for you. We take authority in this atmosphere. And God, I pray that as you have seen their tears, your word says you see the tears and you know our sorrows. Just like you did for the children of Israel, you come down to deliver them. So I pray this day 
that you deliver them. In the name of Jesus, everyone from every affliction, everyone from every pain, everyone from every sorrow, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let joy fill the hearts. Let joy fill the hearts. Let joy fill the hearts. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for happiness. For happiness. I release it now in Jesus' name. Happiness. No more sadness. Happiness. In the name of Jesus. Happiness. Happiness. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Happiness. Right now. Happiness. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, happiness. Joy. Be filled with 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 joy. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Be filled with joy. Be filled with joy. Ha 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 such as I have, I give unto you. Joy. 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 Hallelujah. Joy. Joy. I command you to be happy. 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 I command you. I command you to be happy. I command you to be happy. Be happy. Be happy. Be happy. I command it on you. Happy. Full life. Full life. <laughs> no more sorrow. No more sadness. No more comparing anybody else's life. No more seeing what anybody else has and being sad. No, I'm talking about a full life. Happiness and joy flood your soul. Happiness and joy flood your soul. Hallelujah. That baby's going to come out full of life. Full of life. Full of joy. Full of happiness. A bouncing baby to a bouncing mama. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
Happiness and joy. Happiness and joy. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. No more depression. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul—something happened, and now I know He touched me, and He made. Me, oh, he touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened. And now I know he touched me and he made me 